Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome, welcome. It is our weekly happy hour today on Trending. It's so great to be with you. Diving into important topics on this weekly happy hour. If you have a question, a comment about what gets in the way of your happiness, I'd love to hear from you. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can always join me on Instagram live with your questions as well. Just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. If you don't want to give us a call the old-fashioned way. I want to unpack in the month of the rosary a little bit on the rosary today. I think it's so important, especially from the perspective of the joyful mysteries and today celebrating those or praying those every Monday. Uh, the very first mystery of the Annunciation, significance of Our Lady's life being so radically transformed by God's intervention and interaction in her life. I find it most poignant when we talk about our weekly happy hour here on Trending as a means to really look at what we face in our own lives and how we can find joy in the midst of whatever challenges and joys might present themselves to us. So we'll unpack that that topic of the rosary and the joyful mysteries, especially if you struggle with praying. I have some hacks for you to make it a little easier to pray your rosary. Fascinating questions coming in, especially one about practicing natural family planning and when there's discord between the husband and the wife over practicing and the challenges it brings to intimacy. We'll talk about that today on Trending. And do you have kids or are you on a budget and maybe you've given up on having a beautiful home or decorating it the way you want? I get it. I went into my marriage working as a missionary and my, you know, living in Southern California. It was a challenge to say, hey, like you see all of this stuff on Pinterest or in other people's homes who've been married for years or who have, you know, different salaries or multiple salaries or whatever it might be. And it's hard sometimes when you have this desire, this God-given desire for beauty and to surround ourselves with beautiful things, but maybe you have not the means or the family dynamic, you know, you think at least with, you know, having children running around to make that happen. And so I want to unpack really the topic of still creating a beautiful home and having confidence and peace and joy in the midst of what that can become. But what's really been on my mind this week, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. We hear a lot about alternate realities and parallel universes today. And I was really thinking about it this morning. How I think many of us, in our own way, I think we're all guilty of this in the 21st century, in our own way, are guilty of allowing ourselves to kind of live in an alternate reality. 
So, and I think that it's important to think about because no matter how hard we try to meet, remake the world we are living in, no matter how hard we try to change our circumstances, sometimes we can be fake and delusional about what we're actually experiencing day to day. Sometimes we can create our own reality. This 21st century attitude that we don't talk enough about, this idea of relativism, is truly, truly present in much of our culture and our mindset. All of us are guilty of it. I think in particular about the challenges that are posed at us, uh, even just when we disagree with something and how we like to say, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth. Let's just coexist and be happy with that. Is that okay? No. You know, it's good to say, hey, let's all get along. But it's wrong to say, this is my truth, that's your truth, and I'm perfectly okay not seeking what the actual truth is because I'm comfortable over here and you're comfortable over there. And so let's not seek out what's in the middle. And I'm not saying directly in the middle between the two ideologies, but what's in the middle being reality. That's the problem with relativism. And so this brought me back to, this is how it came up on my mind. So last week, the news came out that President Biden, the Biden administration is requiring, this is what the headline reads, and I'll parse it out for us, that the Biden administration requires that transgender women register for draft if they were born male. If perhaps you're going, okay, hold on, let's parse this out, make sure I understand. Just to be clear, really simple. Basically, President Biden's saying, doesn't matter how you identify, if you were born with male biology, then you have to register for the draft. But if you were born with female biology and you identify as a male, you do not have to register for the draft. So this is where reality hits. And whether it's President Biden's administration that has been very, very pro-transgender and horrifically so uh, in support of the sexual transition of children um, and cross-sex hormones and all of that. And by the way, I talked about it on my last podcast episode. You need to go and listen to it. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe, relevantradio.com or wherever you catch your podcasts. Vermont, the state of Vermont, as well as Michigan, in their pro-abortion amendments to their state constitution that voters are voting on in just a couple of weeks here, in those amendments, these reproductive rights amendments, so-called reproductive rights that just give abortion on demand and for free uh, through the government with our taxpayer money, they're also using that to pass uh, freedom, quote-unquote freedom, for minors all the way down to a toddler to a 10-year-old to a 15 to a 17-year-old to have cross-sex hormone amputations, um, total bodily mutilation as they will based on what they identify for or as. But what's fascinating to me, what's absolutely fascinating to me is that even the Biden administration, even our culture, even the world we live in, it doesn't matter how hard you choose to identify in your own reality Say that you're a man when you're really a woman or whatever it might be. No matter what, there's still rules that intervene and are pressed on us 
in the midst of our alternate reality that we're trying to live. And I'm sorry, but a transgender identity is an, in a sense an alternate reality. But that's not the only one. And I'm not singling out this, this specific challenge in our culture of transgenderism, but I was even thinking about it in terms of the digital aliases that many of us have today. These digital platforms, like right? social media accounts. For some, totally authentic. For some, just posting fun photos to connect with friends, family, or old friends from college. For others, it might be that place where you can reinvent yourself and have people see and think of you as you've always desired the people see and think of you. And you can heavily crop and hack photos. You can cut off some pounds, shed some pounds, change your hair, change even the very structure of your face and body. And we can live in an alternate reality. I really do believe on social media and our digital platforms, pretending we're one way when really we're another. Or we could even, all of us, very easily, myself included, just make the mistake of thinking too highly of what we post on social media and that being the representation of who we are and thinking that that's all we are is what we have to show the world via social media. Even if we post the ups and the downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or maybe all the perfect things. And then there is another area that I kept thinking about how we can live in this alternate reality. And come real quick though, let's come back to that social media, this digital alias mindset. It's very, very easy, I think, to live in that, live in the midst of this digital profile or not even just this digital profile, but what we want other people to think about us rather than taking a pause and seeing what's really before us, actually diving deep and getting to know ourselves, seeing our real life moment to moment, day to day flaws and challenges. It's so easy to just keep focusing. Did, did this person like this particular post that I put up? Or how did someone react to a comment I made on a debate topic with someone else on another person's Facebook that I don't even know? We go so far out. We're so concerned with what the other people think about us. We're living in an alternate reality. Rather than focusing on the truth of what we are, who we are, and what we experience. But then there was another level of the alternate reality, and there are many. Maybe you have an example of where you see we tend to live in alternate realities in our modern-day world. But another one that came to mind is the challenge in our culture with pornography and how prevalent pornography is today. And how, in a certain respect, when we turn to pornography as a culture or as individuals, it's because there's something that we are seeking out, that we're desiring, that we're not getting in real life. And I'm not just talking about sexual intimacy. I'm actually talking as well about how often in the neuroscience and the psychology of many people who are looking at pornography, many people when they do so are looking for something specific. Maybe there's a breakdown within the context of their marriage and they're looking for marital intimacy. And so they look for a certain type of pornography. It becomes very niche, the types that people often look at. And so we're desiring something that we aren't quite getting, or we're even experiencing that 
pleasure than all of the chemicals and hormones from the dopamine giving that pleasure high to the norepinephrine, the oxytocin, this bonding, these feel-good chemicals that are a gift within the context of actual physical intimacy with a person. But when we bond ourselves to a computer screen and pixelated images, it's an alternate reality. We're one, often hiding that pornographic exposure and interaction we're experiencing, but two, we're seeking it out, a reality that is very real. The people in those images are real human beings who have parents, who sometimes have children, who sometimes even have spouses or even have these broken experiences, but we forget about all of that and we just indulge in what this entertainment, this pornographic entertainment is providing us. We're living in an alternate reality rather than true reality. Even if we are experiencing physical pleasure or whatever it might be in the midst of it. And the same could be arguably said for things such as books and movies that we escape, right? We escape into a different place. That isn't necessarily a bad thing. It isn't necessarily bad to escape into the great gift of a story. But there's a balance if we try to live in that story. It's one thing to be connected with and desire enjoy various characters in a good book or a great film and be inspired by them and have new role models. But it's another thing to start to say, I am this character and to start to define or kind of guide your life according to that particular character. We can start to live in a delusion in an alternate reality, but no matter how hard we try to escape from the world, and again, there are good distractions. It's okay to enjoy a book, enjoy a movie. Not good to enjoy pornography and not good to indulge in the delusionment of saying that you're transgender. And it's also not good to focus so much on what your life is through the eyes of others through our digital aliases and social media. This is where truth, I think, challenges us in a moment-to-moment, day-to-day way that we can either choose to accept or choose to deny and stay in whatever our coping mechanism is to create an alternate reality that makes us feel safe in our little bubble. And I wanted to talk about this during our weekly happy hour because alternate realities are all around us. Whether you are concerned about or love the metaverse and social media, Whatever it might be, alternate realities are something that I think have become such a common story theme and an attempted reality in things such as the metaverse that we have to realize it's because as a culture, we're looking for an alternate reality to actually live in. And maybe we've already started to live there. Jesus Christ himself told us that the truth will set us free. And I think the reason why we live sometimes in our alternate realities is because we aren't willing to confront the truth. First, of who God is and what he's calling us to. But then second, the challenges that we might have in our own life to conform to that truth. We'd rather live in an alternate reality, rejecting God or pretending that we're pleasing God, Or making God what we want him to be, right? That's all relativism. 
rather than actually facing the truth of God himself and what he's calling us to and how we measure up to that. And this is what's so beautiful about, I think, the challenge of the alternate reality, but the reality of where we are in it is that all of us in some way are choosing to, whether through coping mechanisms or distractions, we are kind of turning to our own distractions and our alternate realities of what we want other people to think about us. But at the end of the day, what's so beautiful in being Catholic is that the Catholic Church helps us to reconcile truth and reality and then conforming ourselves to it. And if we don't measure up, my friend, that's okay. Our Lord Jesus Christ died on that crucifix for you and I for the forgiveness of sin because he believes you and I are redeemable by his grace. And he was willing to do anything to give that grace to us. It's available in the sacraments of the Catholic Church to literally be physically united to him in the true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And if we're not measuring up, if we're struggling, if we're failing, to go running to the sacrament of reconciliation. Running to the sacrament of reconciliation. What is stopping you? I don't care if there's only half an hour of confession available at your local parish. Schedule an appointment. Yeah, it can be scary to go face-to-face sometimes. Find another church where there's more readily available confession. But you can literally be healed by the blood of the Lamb. You do not have to live in an alternate reality. You do not have to be defined according to your sin, according to your challenges, according to what you think other people think about you or try to make other people think about you. It is... Jesus Christ in that confessional, the priest is acting in persona Christi, forgiving your sins. That's the power of the grace of the sacrament. Your sins are literally blotted out. And when we think about, you know, trying to find coping mechanisms or distractions from the the day-to-day challenges, there's nothing wrong with taking a break or a rest or getting your mind off of something. But what is wrong is if we're avoiding truth, if we're avoiding God, the great call he has for us, we will not be satisfied until the, th- the quench, the thirst we have for God is quenched. If you have challenges in your life, so do all of us. I keep thinking of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Yes, we have to plan. Yes, there may be challenging or joy-filled moments tomorrow. That's great. Look forward to them or prepare for them. But don't let your happiness, ultimately your joy, or should I argue the grace of God be destroyed within you because of all of the future things that are to come. Confront truth. And choose joy. And remember, a joy-filled life. Not a happy life. Because a happy life can be fleeting. Happiness changes moment to moment. It's an emotion like giddiness, sorrow, whatever that might be. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's 
rooted in the grace of God. And that's why I want to talk about the rosary here in just a moment, especially the rosary today in the month of the rosary and the joyful mystery of the Annunciation, that powerful moment where the angel Gabriel comes to the Blessed Virgin Mary and her life is radically transformed. So whether you're struggling to pray your rosary, we'll talk about that too, or you want to unpack a little bit more of the Annunciation and the significance of Our Lady's fiat, her yes to becoming the mother of God. It's, I think, a very helpful moment for us when we talk about our day-to-day happiness. And hey, I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call. The number is 1-888-914-9149. What's getting in the way of your happiness or what question do you have about happiness today? You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome, welcome to our weekly happy hour here on Trending. If you have a question, the number is 1-888-914-9149, especially if you want to share something about what's getting in the way of your happiness. Topic, really interesting question came up that I think uh, is helpful, especially for anyone who's married, but is a learning and intriguing topic, even if you're not married. Before I go there, talking about what's getting in the way of happiness, uh, Barb wasn't able to stay on the line with us, but Barb called from Chicago and she said, what's keeping me from happiness? She said, it's my divorce. I don't know what to do. So Barb, if you are still with us, I know that we have a army of prayer warriors right now praying for you, Barb, and for your husband. And I say it that way because I know it's challenging, especially assuming if you're married in the Catholic Church, even if you legally separate, you're still married in the eyes of the church unless you receive an annulment. And we don't always receive an annulment. Um, The church has to declare an annulment that your marriage was null, that it never existed, that from the beginning when you said those vows, there was something going on there that made your marriage illegitimate. So an important faith-filled distinction, but as you're facing the challenge of your divorce, again, Barb, I am praying for you. I will be praying our family rosary for you this evening, and I am commissioning everyone with me right now to pray for this marriage because God saves and changes lives, and he saves and changes marriages too. And I've heard so many incredible stories. And I really want to point you in the direction of a book that was edited by Layla Miller. We'll post a link on social media if anyone's interested. It's called Impossible Marriages Redeemed. These are marriages that were on the brink of divorce. It tells tons of stories of marriages that were in the worst of worst circumstances. And truly, by the grace of God, these marriages were saved. And we'll also post information uh, for For Your Marriage, I think, .com or .org. We'll post a link on my social media at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. That's a retrovi. And it's to help strengthen uh, marriages, an incredible, incredible program. So we'll get those pop, um, up on social media uh, right now. And again, they'll be in the podcast notes. Every episode, I try to put all of my resources in the episode notes. So relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcast. But Barb, I am praying for you and know that God calls us to be faithful in our marriages. Uh, God calls us to be faithful unless, you know, there are extreme circumstances. Um, He does call that. And again, more of that could be discussed. I'm happy if you want to call back and talk about that. Um, But God calls us to fidelity. God calls us to perseverance. And even in the midst of the most challenging, challenging moments, Um, He still is calling us closer to him sometimes that we partake in a little bit of his suffering 
while we ourselves and our spouse are transformed as well. And sometimes that's through enduring those difficult moments in marriage. So my prayers, and I know everyone's praying for you right now, Barb. Uh, and if you can pray your rosary for her tonight, please do. Speaking of the rosary, it's our weekly happy hour today on trending. Tons of great questions coming in. Um, that I want to discuss in a moment here. And if you're struggling with how to maybe make a home a beautiful space with a budget or with children, I'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But let's talk about the rosary. It's our weekly happy hour and it's the joyful mysteries that we pray every Monday, which is why we chose Monday as our happy hour. Now, really, it should be called our joy hour, but not quite everyone gets that the same way. And I'm making a point of it. Happiness, as I always say, is fleeting. It's emotional. It's transitory. It can be giddy one moment, sorrowful another, angry another, happy in the next. But joy is one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. And joy, it's a grace. It's an absolute grace. And someone who embodied this grace is the Blessed Virgin Mary. We know this because what was the greeting of the angel Gabriel to Our Lady, that first greeting? Hail Mary, full of grace. And this was a greeting that Mary herself was extremely troubled by. Now, by the way, really cute thing. I, my daughter knows by name the angel Gabriel now. And so as we're flipping through her books or some of her saints things, she says, Angel Gabriel. And it just sounds cute, so cute because she's 21 months old and it's absolutely adorable. I talked about passing on the faith to our children. We really need to expose them as much as they can. They're sponges and it's incredible the things that she picks up. But this month and the month of the rosary, if you're struggling with praying at your rosary, I want to give you some tips on uh, how to strengthen that a little bit. Uh, why is it so hard to pray the rosary? Well, because prayer is difficult and that's okay. It should be challenging for you to plan the time, make the time, and stay focused. That's part of spiritual warfare. And it's part of what is so great that we are choosing, even in the midst of the distraction, the challenge for time, whatever it might be, that we're still choosing God and choosing to pray. And then when we're in the prayer and we're challenged, we're distracted, we're just you know, maybe not quote unquote, as many people say, feeling anything. That's okay. Prayer isn't about feelings. Sometimes we have that consolation, those gifts of feelings in prayer, but that's not what it is. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta had most of her life in the, what's known as spiritually as a season of of spirit of spirituality known as the dark night of the soul she felt nothing there it was a fidelity that kept her praying in love of god not any consolation or feeling or emotion so remember that when it comes to praying your rosary why is it so hard to pray the rosary because it's spiritual warfare and love is always a choice and praying our rosary is a choice to love and honor god and pray through praying for Our Lady's intercession and honoring his mother and turning to her and meditating upon the life of Christ. So the best way to pray your rosary and actually receive more benefit from it is to, when you're praying, actually meditate on the mysteries that are presented to us. So Mondays are the joyful mysteries. The first joyful mystery is the Annunciation, which I want to talk about in just a moment. But I have a couple of hacks for praying the rosary. So Used to be my favorite and best place to pray the rosary was in the car. It's just where I had the most time and it actually was easier for me to pay attention and meditate on my rosary. Depending on your drive or time of day, that might not be a reality. Although sometimes 
morning versus evening, you know, a certain time of the day, it's easier to pray the rosary in general, whether it be in the car or not. I know right now I'm really preferring praying the rosary in the morning if we can do that as a family before my husband leaves for work, but sometimes it's still left for the end of the day, such as tonight after the show. So, Another thing that's helpful that if you are able to actually sit down and pray a rosary, that's fantastic. There are great meditations and opportunities for prayer. I have one really fantastic resource for praying the rosary. It's this tiny little blue and white book. It's a pocket book. You could take it anywhere with you and it has a scripture for each and every single decade of the rosary and actually has a scripture verse for every Hail Mary as well. It is my favorite. I actually need to add this to my Catholic gift list. My sister asked me to make one. She said, please, can you make a Catholic gift list? So I'm working on that leading into uh, the holidays uh, for kids and also some fun stuff for adults as well. And this would be a win for adults, but I'll add that to the podcast episode notes for today's show. So that's very helpful. Also, um, St. Louis de Montfort, who is the saint known for absolutely adoring Our Lady. He's the one who originally put together one of the consecrations to Our Lady. And he has a whole PDF. We'll post a link on social media in the podcast notes to um, meditation on the rose grain. He has everything from scripture to different ways to meditate, such as maybe for a particular decade, you uh, focus on a series of maybe two words and you keep repeating those words during part of the Hail Mary. It's so helpful. So if you're looking for resources on praying the rosary, I'll post a link to that on social media as well as in the podcast episode notes that are huge resource if you're wanting to go a little deeper. So let's talk a little bit about the Annunciation. We as you notice, we've talked a lot about this during our weekly happy hour today on Monday. Uh, We never talk about, if you notice, Mary's happiness. When we talk about Our Lady, we often talk about her joy. Why was Mary full of joy? And a little context, if you don't know what the Annunciation is, this is, you can read a fantastic reading, especially before bed tonight, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is where we have the story of the Annunciation of the angel Gabriel coming to the Blessed Virgin Mary, sharing with her the great news of her being this chosen one to be the mother of God, and we here see Mary's consent. So we talk about Our Lady's joy, never her happiness. Why was she full of joy? Well, Our Lady personified virtue, gentleness, kindness, generosity, virginity, the virtues of motherhood. She was absolutely 100% rooted in God. So profoundly. And this is one thing that's really significant, I would argue, about Our Lady in the Annunciation. Actually, I've been sharing with you, and I shared this with you last week, I've been reading Sister Lucia. That is Sister Lucia, one of the three visionaries uh, from Fatima. That happened just a little over 100 years ago. Sister Lucia in a basically long letter was published as a book called Calls from the Message of Fatima comments on the apparitions of Fatima and gives her own meditation. She actually has a whole chunk of this book that's specifically on the rosary and the decades of the rosary. And when talking about the first joyful mystery of the Annunciation, she really points to the significance of the Blessed Virgin Mary being a living temple of God, the fact that she was full of grace, that the angel Gabriel came to Our Lady in the first interaction of the angel was to say, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Hail to you who are full of grace. 
And by seeing Our Lady, we see this example. Sister Lucia says, Jesus Christ and the Apostle tells us here in Luke chapter 1 that we are living temples of God. And we see a comparison if we look at 1 Colossians chapter 3 about us being God's, about God's spirit dwelling within us and God's temple, that you are God's temple. And this is what Our Lady was. She literally became a living tabernacle for Christ. And so Sister Lucia says, Jesus Christ and the Apostle, St. Paul, tells us here that we are living temples of God and that we must keep our temple pure because we are God's dwelling place and also in order that God's life may grow in us and may give us immorality. So, what this annunciation is all about, first and foremost, the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ becoming present in the body of Our Lady. But it's also about Our Lady's consent, her willingness, and the fact that she was so predisposed already to God that she was prepared to say yes to this incredible and insane mission he was giving her that defied reality. For a young girl, you know, estimating a conversation about her being 13, 15 years old. She was full of joy because she had virtue. She was rooted in God and she had unwavering confidence in God, even in the face of what would be his passion and death. Think about it. From her fiat, from her yes at the Annunciation to her yes that still remained firm when she was one of the only people standing at the foot of the cross, she unwaveringly said yes to God because she was predisposed to God. She lived a life of prayer prior to becoming the mother of God. She didn't say, hey, I'm going to wait till the end of my life to start practicing my faith. I'm going to wait until my retirement. Or I'm going to wait until I meet that woman who really inspires me. And then I'm going to give up all my bad habits and marry her. As if you'd actually attract her before then, gentlemen. And <laughs> ladies, do remember this? Our lady lived a life of prayer before she was called to the great mission that God gave her. The tradition holds that Mary was actually praying and praying the Psalms when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. So let's walk just a little bit through Luke chapter 1. Again, fantastic reading. This is probably my favorite gospel is really the gospel according to John. But in terms of like one chapter that is just for me the meat of sacred scripture that I love to just turn back to and meditate upon, it's Luke chapter 1. It's full of the Annunciation and then the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth. So we have her fiat there. We have the Incarnation. And then we have this great prayer of Our Lady when she uh, encounters her cousin Elizabeth. But focusing on Luke chapter 1 and the Annunciation. So the angel appears to Our Lady. And when, she sa- when the angel says, Hail, O favored one. Hail, Mary full of grace. The Lord is with you. And we know know that we read that Mary was greatly troubled at the saint and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. So one, she's just had a celestial being appear to her, calling her favored one, full of grace, and that God is with her. So she's having this massive divine intervention in her life. And then the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So in other words, the angel's saying, Step out of fear into the mission of God. You're never alone. Literally, step out of fear into the mission of God. You are never alone. That's what the angel's saying. So the exact words are, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. But interpret that. This is the same message that God is calling you and I to. Whatever mission we may be living in, 
And maybe it might not be something major that we feel that we've been called to yet, think we've been called to yet. Maybe it's just the simplicity of day-to-day, of living out truth. We talked about alternate realities earlier, of living in reality and conforming our lives to God himself and the truth he beckons us toward. Look at this story and read it as if you are Mary and the angel is talking to you. Do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. And putting that in my own words, step out of fear into the mission of God. You are never alone. Angel Gabriel then says to Our Lady, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So Jesus Christ is literally going to be conceived in the womb of Our Lady. Our Lady is going to become the Christ bearer. Mary's mission, if we get into a little bit of Eucharistic theology for a moment, Mary's mission was Eucharistic from its very inception. She was called to bring Christ physically to the world. And the Eucharist is the physical presence of our Lord Jesus Christ here on earth that we can consume and be united to and should be conforming our lives to. And so Mary's mission, again, read Luke chapter 1 as if the angel is talking to you. Mary's mission is our mission to be Christ bearers, to be Eucharistic in how we live out our lives. We go with Christ. The only way we are able to approach Christ is with Christ. Because Christ gives us the grace to do so. So we need to ask God for the, for the grace, the gift of the fidelity, the belief. That's why that prayer, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief, is so significant. We then read that the angel Gabriel says to Our Lady in Luke chapter 1. We're walking through the Annunciation here. Angel Gabriel says, He will be great, that is Jesus, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, there's this message of do not fear, God has already conquered, and he does conquer, and there's a plan. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High. He will be given the throne of David, he will reign in the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will be, will have no end. So Mary, there's a plan, and she's literally being prepared for how challenging it will be and being told on the front end, God has already conquered and does conquer. This is what is, I think, so strong and helpful about looking at the Annunciation. And all of this, here's the message of the angel Gabriel that we've been talking about. And what does Our Lady say? The Latin words, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Be it done unto me according to thy word. According to the will of God. Our Lady consents because she was predisposed already to God. She was prayerful. She was ready to be the Christ bearer because in reality she was already living in union with God before he ever dwelled within her in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we dwelling with God? I think that's the question we should be asking ourselves. This one mystery in the rosary is so significant for diving into and unpacking the path to true joy in our lives. And this is why I really do believe, as we were talking about Fatima last week, 
There's a significance to Our Lady of Fatima. Sister Lucia said that Our Lady asked us to pray the rosary every day. And that this request was repeated every single month until October. So the first apparition on May 13th, all the way through the last apparition in October, over and over again, Our Lady said, pray the rosary every day. In fact, part of the addition that's been made in the last hundred years to the rosary is actually from Fatima. After we pray the glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Then we pray this prayer that were literally words given to us by Our Lady at Fatima. Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most in need of thy mercy. It's interesting. So Sister Lucia, again, I'm reading this book, this long letter from Sister Lucia on Fatima. And she said, why, you know, she commented on this prayer and she said, those who are most in need of thy mercy. She said, I think that this particular part, those who are most in need, refers to those in greatest danger of damnation. To those who are in greatest danger of going to hell. This is why we pray our rosary in part. This is why we have this little addition because we are praying for ourselves, for our loved ones. And also through this prayer, the Oh My Jesus prayer given to us at Fatima, the Fatima prayer, we're praying for those who are in need of literally going to hell. This is part of what was so significant about those uh, visions of Fatima. They actually, Our Lady of Fatima actually showed hell to those three little children, these three visionaries. And they saw people they knew, very young people, burning in hell. And it was frightening. Contrast that to the great joy of the revelation of the angel Gabriel to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary was not at risk of hell because she dwelt with God. She chose God before she even took on the mission of being the Christ bearer, the mother of God. In Christ's grace, we are protected from the reality that hell presents to us in our lives. We can choose to ignore it all we want. We can pretend it doesn't exist. But that again, as we talked about virtual and augmented and parallel universes and alternate realities earlier, it doesn't matter how hard you try to live a different truth, a different reality. What we're running from at the end of the day is the truth of God and the reality that we are meant to conform ourselves to. And that, yes, we struggle to measure up. And by the grace of God, that's why we have the sacraments of the Catholic Church. The Eucharist and confession. So if you need to go to confession, go running to confession today. I'm going to unpack here during our weekly happy hour. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I'm going to unpack a really important question on the topic of happiness within the context of marriage. And still creating a beautiful home when you feel like you're on a budget or just have grimy, dirty kids running around your whole house. I've been scrubbing marks of greasy hands marks off my walls. You know, I try to wash her hands before she leaves the table, but sometimes I just miss it. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. In November, we celebrate the lives of our friends and family who have passed and pray for their entry into the kingdom of heaven. 
Join your Relevant Radio family in prayer from November 2nd through the 10th as we offer Novena for these holy souls. You can submit up to 20 names of your departed loved ones at relevantradio.com souls now to November 10th. When you submit the names of, the, of souls to be prayed for, you'll also receive reflections from Father Rocky each day of the Novena to help you more enter more deeply into prayer. Add the names of your loved ones at relevantradio.com slash souls and join us as we pray for them during Mass, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, Family Rosary Across America here on Relevant Radio. It's our weekly happy hour today on Trending. Thank you for joining me. Interesting question came in. Challenges everyone can experience within marriage. You're not the only one if you have challenges. And Gabby wrote to me on Instagram. I wanted to take up this question because I thought it was very relevant for a lot of couples total male female challenges present here you know some of you might get a little bit of a chuckle even though it's not something to laugh about and please do pray for Gabby and her marriage because marital difficulties are never fun but they're an opportunity to grow in closeness to one another and grow in our faith she said hi Timmy. I have a marriage question I'm trying to do NFP that's natural family planning but my husband is making it hard on me and he tells me has to when he has to wait so long to have a couple of days of intimacy with me And I want to do things the right way, though. And she said, on the other hand, I'm scared that he will go back to watching porn and satisfying himself. Do you have any advice for me? Oh, Gabby, my heart goes out to you. That challenge of a spouse looking at pornography, that's a true betrayal. And I pray for his healing, but also for peace in your heart. And not to live in fear that because you don't do something, that means that that's going to drive him to pornography. So first and foremost, pray for your husband and offer sacrifices for him. Um, second, really, really communicate with him. And well, actually, I'll come back to that. So second would be you can't blame yourself if your spouse or someone you know looks at pornography. And I know that's hard as a spouse, especially as a woman, to think, you know, well, what's wrong with me that he's doing this? Pornography is a choice that someone makes to look at and engage with. It has nothing to do with you as hard as that is to understand. Actually, I just did a whole podcast episode on this recently with Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored. And we explained and talked about betrayal trauma and how real that is and how that trauma needs to be healed because that's a real trauma when your spouse looks at pornography. But at the same time, it's important, really important that we understand, especially for women to understand that a spouse looking at pornography has nothing to do with you as hard as it is to grasp that that's their choice and it can often be independent and men will often even say over and over again my looking at pornography I mean and it's crazy to think that they'd say this my looking at pornography doesn't mean that I love you any less I'm not looking at it because you're dissatisfying me or anything and so we talk about that on that podcast so I hope you'll listen but third I really want to encourage you when practicing natural family planning, and that is respecting your body and the fact that we, for those who don't know, we have as women naturally fertile and naturally infertile seasons in our month um, in our natural fertile makeup. And for legitimate reasons, for serious reasons, and for a period of time, not indefinite, if there's a legitimate need that's been prayerfully discerned between spouses, um, and often it's encouraged to receive counsel on this, if you need to wait to have a child, you can abstain from intimacy during those fertile moments. If you want to kind of dive into the theology of that, it's in Humana Vitae. We'll post a link in the podcast notes and episode notes for today, as well as on social media. Just follow me at Timri, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. 
Uh, but in that, uh, it's important. So first of all, we have to make sure that natural family planning is being used correctly and in a faith-filled way, not a, hey, let me control my fertility. But if for a legitimate reason, you can virtuously abstain from intimacy, that might be something that you are called to with spouses. And again, you have to get dive into more of the conversation with that uh, and discernment of that. So start with making sure though, whenever you practice natural family planning as a couple, it's something that should be practiced as a couple. It's not one spouse versus the other. And this is what's so great. I think many secular people think about natural family planning if they're not um, necessarily Catholic or anything, is that they recognize it doesn't put fertility, the responsibility for having children on just one person. Because the model for NFP is that the husband and the wife are supposed to be charting and aware together of woman's health, woman's cycle, changes in her body, so that they can communicate together about needs and challenges and intentions within the family dynamic and the marital dynamic. Um, and then it's also, this is why it's encouraged that natural family planning, that you go through a class together, husband and wife, to, to take a little bit of coaching for how to do this so that your husband understands your body, you start learning how to communicate to him a little differently about what's going on with your body throughout the month, especially times when people are just grumpy potentially. And it can help him as well in being aware of that and taking ownership. So that's really helpful to communicate, to help give your husband ownership over that uh, as well is a fundamental aspect of the natural family planning model. And this is why Creighton classes are highly recommended um, we'll include a link to find a fertility care practitioner for Creighton classes. Also, if you're struggling to conceive, Creighton model natural family planning is great for helping to conceive a baby and um, working toward having a baby as well. So that's a helpful resource as well. Uh, but number four, if there's clearly a struggle having to do with intimacy within the marriage, work on other forms of intimacy. We tend to think today that intimacy is only what happens within the bedroom, um, but there are many forms of intimacy physical touch throughout the day in public, you know, you know, holding hands, you know, a gentle kiss, a touch of the shoulder, building up other forms of intimacy, building up verbal affirmation, intimacy of closeness and conversation, or doing something such as enjoying a beautiful sunset or things that you used to do maybe before life got busier or difficult or you had children. Intimacy, we've reduced to what happens in the bedroom rather than seeing the bigger picture of all the dimensions of intimacy. You can have intimacy in a conversation that you both are interested in a particular topic. And that takes setting aside quality time. And so sometimes, you know, when we talk about these male-female challenges within the context of the bedroom, uh, sometimes it's not just the context of the bedroom that things are challenging. It's that we need to be building up quality time to help build better conversation and better communication so that we're able to communicate even if something such as a pornography addiction is part of that challenge. Also, um, I think that really turning to our Lord, I said this first and foremost, pray for your spouse, but offer sacrifices for your spouse. Maybe a daily rosary. Maybe it's a divine mercy chaplet. Uh, maybe there's something in particular you can do um, that is challenging for you in the day that you don't like. Maybe you don't like folding laundry. It, maybe it's as simple as that, that you choose to do that with love and you pray for your spouse in those moments. And that will truly, I promise, help to strengthen your spouse and lead to better communication and cooperation 
in your marriage. So have faith, Gabby. I am praying for you. And I'm so happy that you sent in this question because I think a lot of people uh, can benefit from it because you're not the only couple who's struggling with something like this. Thanks for joining me during our weekly happy hour. Up next is a family rosary across America. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Are you in the thick of a pro-life debate? Five states are voting on an abortion in the coming weeks. Many people want to change hearts and minds. How are you doing that? We're going to talk about engaging in pro-life conversations, answering those difficult questions you might receive or maybe you even have. I'll be joined by an OBGYN who performed abortions and is sharing the truth about the issue of abortion and what women need to be healthy and live. Join me Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central, Relevant Radio.